So um, my main focus today will be about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and its significance in each one of our lives uh, both practically as well as uh, spiritually what it really means for us so uh, we are going to dwell into the cost of discipleship you might be wondering as to why i put that as one of the you know things there why should there be cost of discipleship you will get to understand as we move through the slides slowly so uh if you see this you know uh i think this is a very uh, famous picture all over wherever you get google it you'll be able to get this picture and in this picture there is the uh, picture of jesus who is driving on a colt and he is entering into jerusalem and there are huge multitudes of people that you can see they are waving you know palm branches there then there are kids who are there and some people are you know laying down their clothes so that jesus will be able to walk on that uh if you see you know here one of the things that i see very clearly and vividly is the joy and the rejoicing and the hailing that is happening you know the people are just you know joyous about the fact that you know somebody a king is actually coming you know into jerusalem and uh, they are praising the the word of god says they are praising and giving hallelujah and glory unto the lord If you see the Bible verse in this context uh, before we go to the Bible verse I've already said it's a movable feast that falls a week before the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, most of our uh, important days that we celebrate somehow has become fashionized to such an extent that Jesus is actually left out of place even things like you know when we see Christmas it's all about fashion and you know it's all about the decorations etc 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 parties etc but i think we need to keep our focus straight you know christmas means jesus that's it it's not about parties it's not about the clothes that we wear it's not about the you know the things that happen in the streets the snow and the lights and you know the decorations etc it's about jesus and similarly when we come here about palm sunday and there is a the resurrection day you know it's all about jesus it's not about us of course it uh, it involves us because he came to save us but the focus point is him so yes so it is a movable feast that falls a week before the death and resurrection of our lord jesus christ and uh, it the feast commemorates jesus's triumphal entry into jerusalem and uh, it is an event which has been mentioned in all the four gospels why is it a triumphal entry it's because jesus traveled to jerusalem knowing that this journey is going to end in a sacrificial death on the cross for the sins of all mankind it is actually going to end in victory but before there that there is actually a big amount of you know trial that has to go through before that happens and i'm just amazed by the fact that jesus knew exactly this was what he came for when jesus was entering into Jeru- jerusalem 
with that thought in mind that you know in about a week's time he has to die as 100% man i don't know what sort of thoughts were running in his mind but i do see that agony when he comes to the garden of gethsemane and he says father if it be possible please take this cup away from me but i don't want to do anything against your will if this is what it must be let it be i think the most agonizing part you know for 100% god and 100% man was that on that day he had to say fully no to his 100% god nature and take the pain as it is as a human would suffer rather than you know taking even a pinch of who he was as god and elevate his pain i think that's the most agonizing part imagine you know we are going through something see you know we are, we are pushed into a deep well imagine we have all the powers you know to fly and then come out but somebody says you know you can't fly you are not you are not supposed to do that the rules is you will be pushed down to the well but you cannot fly somebody has to come and rescue you if that is so can you imagine the plight will be in we know we have got wings we know we can fly but because the rules it's like that you know we need to you know just say no i choose not to fly oh my goodness i don't know how many how many of us would really follow the rules at that particular point of time i really don't know you know i'm sure we would like to break the rule and say hey, forget it i have all the powers you know let me just fly out of this who will wait for somebody to come and rescue but god was not like that jesus was not like that he knew that without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins that is what he had in mind you know when he entered into jerusalem i think one of the things that he really had in mind was the face of mankind he loved mankind so much that he could not bear to not to undertake that punishment which was due on the cross for the sins of mankind so that mankind would be released from the clutches of the enemy and enter into the joy of the lord whosoever believes in him so um the verses in the bible i would like you to concentrate upon is luke 19:28 to 31 and 35 to 38 it says after jesus had said this he went on ahead going up to jerusalem as he approached bethphage and bethany at the hill called the mount of olives he sent two of his disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden untie it and bring it here if anyone asks you what why are you untying it say the lord needs it they brought it to jesus threw their cloaks on the colt and put jesus on it as he went along people spread their cloaks on the road when he came near the place where the road goes down the mount of olives the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully to praise god in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen blessed is the king who comes and comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest 
that exact picture that i showed you you know is uh, is uh, defined in these verses another thing that jesus knew when he was going you know to enter into jerusalem was this entire crowd which was praising him at that particular point of time is going to be the same crowd who's going to reject him including his disciples he knew everything what is going to happen imagine the you know amount of agony you know he was actually going through when he was actually entering jerusalem because it was this same crowd which came there and said oh praise glory in the highest etc etc in the end they said the when the pilot asked them whom do you want to be released and this is the entire crowd which shouts saying you know barabbas and not jesus these were the same people crying out glory hallelujah king etc and that moment they just forget so what i can see you know from from the lives of these people is the kind of commitment probably they had was just based on you know outward things they saw they saw the miracles of jesus and they said okay we believe you know but when the right time came to stand for jesus they actually did not stand or am i believing in jesus because i know he's god and i've experienced him that no matter what happens whether i see results i don't see results i know that he is god and his nature will never change even though my prayers may get answered may not get answered even though i may have to wait even though the answer may be yes the answer may be no even though my circumstances may not change even though i may have to go through storms in life whatever be the situation have we made a commitment to say no matter what happens i believe in jesus if somebody asks me if somebody asks us why why because i know him that's it i know him that was the commitment that job had you know when i see the life of job in the old testament he was not a person who was believing in in god just because of the material possessions that god gave him he was not a person who was believing in god just because of the you know fruitful family life that he had he was not believing in god just because of you know the amount of property that he owned but when when we see the actual testing when it happens in job's life we see the actual attitude of job and his belief in god as to why he actually believed in god that's exactly what the enemy did you know enemy came to accuse job came to god and said you know this particular servant of yours he's just believing in you because you've made him so happy you've given him so many possessions you've given him so many you know things to like uh, so so much fruitful life you've given just take away you know things from his life see he's going to curse you if you see the book of job you know maybe we can go back and read i mean all of us might have read it at some point of time so 
then god says okay fine you know i allow you to touch everything else in his life except his spirit you can do everything but do not take his life then the enemy has his chance he's he's got his party you know he's got now he's been given permission by god he can do whatever he want he wants so what does he do he goes and you know destroys his property destroys his family one after another it's not even you know within within you know months it's within fraction of minutes or you know probably even seconds somebody comes to job and says you know this entire thing got burned that entire cattle you know got lost somebody comes to job and says your daughters and you know your sons and all of your family was feasting here there was, suddenly there was a collapse and then they died oh my goodness that was so big for job and he didn't understand what was happening in his life till now he thought he was doing everything which was right in the sight of god he was giving his tithes well he was offering the burnt offering and sacrifices that they were supposed to in the old testament everything he was doing and suddenly there's calamity and suddenly there's earthquake there's storm in his life which is happening which is not able to understand even the more his wife instead of supporting him to you know probably have faith in god says what sort of man are you job do you still believe in god why don't you just curse god and die that's it that was the end of it you know probably you know one person he thought who he who would have actually supported him was his wife and the answer that job gives amazes me and it shows what his attitude was what his belief in god was job says naked i came naked i'm going to go praise be to the name of the lord wow what a response you know the enemy is just put to shame so one of the things that i realized even as i read through the book of job is we can shut the mouth of the enemy when we choose to believe in god it's something like ephesians chapter 6 which says the armor of god and one of the components of the armor of god is the shield of faith so one of the components of the armor of god is shield of faith the enemy will come in our thoughts in our minds targeting us and saying you know how can a good god do this to you but on at that moment of time if we choose to lift up the shield of faith and we say i don't care what happens in my life but i've seen god i've experienced him and i know that he is good no matter what happens if he has allowed something to happen in my life it must be for my good though i don't understand it the enemy may ask how do you know for sure because in the seen things of life i've seen him to be faithful so he must be faithful even in the unseen things of life if god has been faithful to us 
in the things which we have seen i think you can be trusted and relied upon in the unseen things of our life though we may not be able to understand it we don't know what kind of conspiracy is going up in the heavenly realms just as it happened in the life of job we do not know but if we have seen and tasted god in the seen things of our life i can firmly and definitely say that he can be trusted and relied even in the unseen things of life so even as jesus was approaching there yes he knew what was going to happen was for the good of mankind and he chose to do what he was supposed to do yeah uh, last time you know when i was uh, speaking to us uh, i was talking about charles templeton and billy graham two contemporaries during the same point of time they studied in same bible college passed out started ministry at the same time they faced similar situations at the same point of time the holocaust massive massacre which happened to the jews in the gas chambers that time i'm just putting it in a dramatic sense you know the enemy came you know spoke to charles templeton in his mind and said if god is a good god why should he allow this kind of suffering to happen to his people why should he allow his people to die like this charles templeton did not have, have an answer to that the enemy came even to billigram spoke in his mind through charles templeton if god is a good do- god why should he allow this kind of thing to happen to his people charles templeton chose to forsake god because of that one question he didn't understand in life after all those years of preaching maybe 20 years he said i don't think god exists during the same point of time billy graham goes to god and says god i don't understand the answer to this question what should i do tell me god and actually you know at that time when he's reading the word you know uh, the things that convinces him at that particular moment of time is you know no matter what happens god works everything for the good of those who love him we may not be able to understand why things are happening the way they are happening probably will understand that in eternity but the fact is if god has allowed something there must be a reason behind it and he said god i know my thoughts are limited but i have experienced you enough and i know that i can trust you pilgram walked out a believer from that situation that he faced charles templeton walked out an atheist from that situation that he faced billigram chose to lift up the shield of faith against the arrows of the enemy charles templeton did not lift up the shield of faith and his faith died under the wounds of the arrows of the enemy billigram died just recently and he know we know what legacy 
he has left behind for us believers to look onto so no matter what happens in our lives even though we may not understand our situation circumstances etc what is our faith in god do we still choose to believe in this god who has loved us so much that despite knowing that he's going to die on the cross as 100% man though it was very difficult for him to take it he said not my will but let yours be done and he chose to took take that cup of suffering he died what is our faith like is our faith just because of miracles is our faith just because of you know fame or blessings that god has given to us if that is so i must say we are not building our houses on solid ground our faith needs to be because of who god is and because of what he has he has he has done for us on the cross so um as we move forward the path that jesus was taking was not an easy path and this is where you know i will come to the main point of the message today it's about the cost of discipleship it's a costly affair to to believe in jesus i know i'm saying a very paradoxical term but i mean to say in terms of many areas of our lives it's a costly affair when we believe in jesus our path is not going to be broad we cannot do whatever we want in our lives when we believe in jesus we have to follow a certain way and that is the way and it is his way not whatever we want not leading lives as recklessly you know as people in sodom and gomorra you know but leading lives as jesus led his life even as we, he was going into jerusalem passing through the path of suffering for the blessed resurrection that was waiting after that matthew 7 13 14 says enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it imagine it's like walking on a rope i don't know how many of us have tried walking on a rope rope i have also not tried but it looks really scary when i see it you know some people doing it you know for guinness record etc you know they'll really have to concentrate so we'll move on to the cost of discipleship So what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to walk in the narrow way? Luke 14 25 33 says There were large crowds who were traveling with Jesus and turning to them he said If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes even their own life such a person cannot be my disciple and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost 
to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and was not able to finish. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So I think the cost of discipleship is going to cost us our life. And when I came to know of that, it was a very scary thing for me. I accepted Jesus as my savior at 11 years of age. And this question that God asked me was when I was probably, you know, 17 years of age. Are you willing to give everything? (laughs) I was in a bad state. Because I had a lot of things which I wanted in my life, which probably, you know, God did not want. Not probably, God didn't want those things in my life. Okay, fine. To be just frank, when I was in my 12th standard, um, I had a relationship with a person who was not a non, who was who was not a believer, and I was actually, I started praying like this, and I said, God. You're God who is sovereign, who can do anything in life. And you can change this person and help him to accept you as a savior. Uh, I was in that relationship for about a year. And I had been praying, I had been praying, I had been praying. I never heard the voice of God till that time, you know. Then I started changing my prayer, actually. I said, God, I don't want you to intervene in his life and change him. But tell me what your will is in this area. Is this what you want for my life? I want to understand your will. So I started changing my prayer. And then, you know, after exactly about a year and two months or so, God spoke to me very clearly. I still remember. And my eyes fell on this word, you know, in the word of God which says, a man, I think it's in Matthew, I forget the exact res- reference, it says in Matthew, um, no man can serve two masters. Either you serve the enemy or you serve me. And in my heart the response was, you have to choose in between us. Oh my goodness, it was like a storm you know, hitting me. When I look back now, I realize I had not actually surrendered that area into God's hands. So I I had a big struggle that day because, you know, it was as though I was being torn apart. That evening, I remember praying and telling God, God, I don't know what to say, God, but I don't want to make promises which I can't keep. So I just want to say, God, just give me the strength to do what you want me to do. Because I know I'm very weak. Amazingly, next day, you know, somehow God gave that strength, you know, to just say, you know, I'm done. I'm done, no more. It was a very hard decision to make when you don't understand as to why, you know, God is telling you to do that. 
it is a very hard decision you know to choose and you know say say i'm not going to turn back again into this ever again but god gave the strength to do it now when i look back i understand probably if i had continued in that you know things would have been really bad now i understand why god says do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever it was very hard decision to make but now i don't regret it because i know what god has in store for me is good and whatever he does is the best so the cost of discipleship is going to be painful it's going to be ripping but it's 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 going to be very very beneficial in the long run when we look back and see we'll realize that that was the best whatever god said was the best so the cost of disciple is going to cost us our relationships as i said just now there may be certain relationships which god may not want in our lives and we need to say no it's going to be very painful it's going to be very you know wounding but if god says something i think we should do it because if we do it there's joy in it so i think it's so important to know, know this point that you know our relationship with god is going to cost us our relation our relationships with others it may cost us our desires so as i was telling to you you know my desire was something else before i even got to college but god said no and i had to surrender and say i will do only what you want me to do not what i want not what i desire but i will do only what you want was i not tempted when i went to college was i not you know attracted of course yes but every time the word that would come is you know um the commitment and what god wants me to do rather than what i want to do so our ambition sometimes you know it may cost us i remember of a particular person who was um, an engineer now he is working as a missionary in bihar gems bihar so the person who was the founder was actually an engineer when god called him and said i know you have a lot of ambitions but i want you to be a missionary for the kingdom of god i want you to go to this place i think it was a very hard commitment that he had to make and you know what he did i i would i mean i don't mean to say everyone has to do that he burned all his certificates that he had of engineering and he went into bible college and you know became a missionary was the commitment that he had no turning back <clears throat> that was the cost of discipleship it may cost our esteem as well people may start calling us names they may say you know holy holy pious etc etc but i guess it's okay you know let's remember that when people call us names when we don't actually do things which other people do 
let's remember jesus was also called a lot of names and i think he didn't care the least because he knew he who he was so i i think as long as we know who we are in christ what is our you know security like whatever people say i don't think it should matter to us but it is going to be costly because since we are human sometimes the kind of names they may call may touch the heart may cause some wound in our hearts it may cost us our money what do i mean by that for example couple of years back uh, there was a particular person who came to my house back home and she was in great need of money i could, i could see that i was thinking okay i was still a student that time and i was thinking okay i have 1000 rupees with me as my pocket money after all the savings that i had done okay maybe i'll give her some 200 bucks she's in need then in my heart god was saying you know just give her the 1000 Oh my goodness it was like <laughs> when you have more you know it's easier to give a part of it but when god says give everything it's costly it was costly but now when i look back i don't regret that decision which i made that time because it was an enormous blessing you know to see another person being blessed through whatever little i may have had it may cost us our food <clears throat> what do i mean by that meaning we may have to stay a lot of fasting and praying for a lot of people for a lot of things one of the challenges that god gave me when i was still in school is um uh, maybe this was in the 11th standard the challenge that came to my heart was see my relatives are not yet in the lord my mom's relatives are all saved my father's relatives are not yet in the lord so that time my father was also alive and uh, he was also not a believer So the kind of picture I used to get is you know people walking including my father my relatives and everybody my friends whom I knew and going down you know into a volcano you know that picture used to trouble me a lot that kind of a thought used to trouble me a lot that they are just blindly blindly walking and they are dropping off in a volcano in the lava and that's exactly what is going to happen if people do not accept jesus as their savior the word of god is very clear salvation comes through no other name except the name of jesus and if we confess from our mouth and believe in our heart that jesus is lord we will be saved so if somebody does not know christ there are only two ways after death somebody knows christ eternal eternal life somebody does not know christ eternal death the bible is very clear about that so what is my part my role i am singing i am making merry you know i am saved fine but what about others what am i doing for them my father is dying my relatives are dying my friends are dying 
in their sin. And I had not even prayed for them. So God challenged me, you know, that I should, you know, start fasting and praying for them. I I should forsake my food. Food is not an important thing for us to remain believers. God's kingdom is not about food. God's kingdom is not about all other pleasures in this world. God's kingdom is about souls which need to be saved into the kingdom of God. And if we as believers take that commitment to stand in the gap and intercede that our nation, our people, our friends, our relatives would not perish, God will do amazing wonders. God did it in my father's life. Just before he passed away, he accepted Jesus as a savior. And I'm glad and I'm happy because I know I'm going to see him there above. I'm going to meet him again. And that's the greatest joy I have in my life. So the other challenge which God gave me was probably, you know, if if we can pray each day for one person, imagine one person would have prayed 365 days for 365 people. And that's a huge number. Imagine if there are some 10 people in this room, each one of us, pray for one person, fast and pray for one person in a day. 365 into 10 is going to be 3650. You know? It, it, I mean, there, there's enormous thing which happens in the spiritual realm when a believing person prays. So I think probably we need to take this challenge. I know it's going to be costly. Why? Because forsaking food is a very difficult thing to do. We go through hunger pangs. But if we make a commitment, God will help us to do it. And lastly, you know, our commitment to God to follow Jesus, to be a disciple is going to cost us everything in life. Everything. Everything has to be in accordance to his choices. Not what we want. Not whatever I desire. But that narrow path, focus, Jesus. Only what Jesus says. And when we do that, is, is this to harm us? No way. All this that God does in our life is to disciple us and to become more like Jesus. And the more we become disciplined, when we look back, we realize... I was so reckless. I was leading such a reckless life. How could I lead that kind of life? My thought life was a mess. My desires were was a mess. When I look back on myself right now, no, you know, th- those years when I was in school and what I am now, I look back and see, oh my goodness, you know, I feel like, oh, that was the kind of life that I led. Those that thought life that. You know, things in my heart. My goodness. Thank you, God, for changing me to what I am today. I know I am not perfect today. I am sure when I look back after five years and see, there will be things in my life right now which I will say, oh my goodness, how I did that. You know? So I think the process of discipleship 
is is a process which is progressive till the point we die we will be molded into disciples provided we choose to remain in the narrow way if we choose to again go in the broad way god cannot help us but you know provided we choose to be in the narrow way we will be molded till the point we die after that no problem we are there with god till eternity it's going to be joy no more sorrows no more sickness no more death no more fightings no more revelries no more temptations isn't that awesome you know but that's going to be after death so till the point we die we have to remain focused after we die we are going to get glorified bodies we will be with him forever so following christ comes with a price but that will change us from the dirty old man to the renewed new man in christ my challenge to us today to me also is are we willing to lay ourselves down at his feet and surrender our all and carry our cross daily and walk the narrow way may jesus enable us to walk the narrow way i would just uh, ask all of us to close our eyes for some time and 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 stand up for a moment okay, I, i would like us to close our eyes for some time just uh, think about the things that we have think of it, of the things that we have ju- discussed just now is there anything in your life which god is speaking to you about right now is there something that you know commitment or some area which god is telling you my son my daughter this is what i want you to do even as we sing this song um i would request you to keep your eyes closed and you know talk to god personally now this commitment that you're going to make right now is just a commitment in between you and god maybe you were not committed to jesus totally till today maybe you had your own desires maybe you had your own ambitions in life maybe there were certain areas that you were holding on to are you willing to make a commitment today and say jesus i have counted the cost and i'm willing to surrender everything to you my all to you and make you lord over every area of my life.